Oh, hello, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 81 of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. I am Jake Johansson, and you are you, and here we are. This is it. Let's get on with it, shall we? I'm speaking to you right now at this moment from the Fantasyland Hotel, high atop the Fantasyland Hotel. I'm on the 12th floor here in uh, West Edmonton, Canada. I'm just finishing my week at the comic strip in the West Edmonton Mall. It is that makes it sound like it's not as good as it is. It's been very fun. Some listeners of the pod of the podcast to the podcast of by four and to the podcast w- were with me at the comedy show this weekend saying hello. And that was nice. So I am now saying hello back to you here. And thank you for saying that you listened to the podcast to me when we talked. And I assumed that that was not a lie because wh- how could you make up a lie about a thing that you wouldn't be aware of unless you were listening to it? Ha! <laughs> I reasoned my way right out of that bag. So we're having a great time here in Edmonton, but these shows, tonight tonight they'll be over. By the time you're listening to this, I'll be back in the United States of America, and there won't be a damn thing that you can do about it. So I'll be in America, and you could come and see me next weekend at Addison, Texas, which is right adjacent to Dallas. It is Dallas. Addison at the Addison Improv, January 29th to February 1st. That's going to be Super Bowl, pre-Super Bowl, festivities will be happening at those shows and then february 13th through 16th i'll be in columbus ohio celebrating um valentine's day with all of my favorites valentines except for my wife you know who is my favorite valentine and my daughter they won't be there so okay my, my favorite valentines won't be there but i hope you'll be there and we can try and make up for that so columbus ohio that's also in a mall east in town center columbus ohio february 13th through 16th I do love living in a mall. So sweet. I'll be in Austin, Texas, February 19th to 22nd at the Cap Cities Comedy Club. That club is, I don't believe that is in a mall. I believe it's its own building, but it's been a while, so I can't remember exactly. But uh, come on out and let's get our picture taken in Austin, Texas together. And then and then I'll do it. We'll do that after, we'll do that after the show, okay? I just want to make sure that you, you're not... Uh, antsy before the show like where is he i need to get my picture taken with him Uh, i'll be around after the show you'll be able to speak to me then my guest this week is alan havey as i have promised last week i did promise that because i knew that i had already spoken to him last week and this conversation that you're about to hear that i had with him happened uh i believe it's january 17th but we'll discuss that so some of the football information at the beginning some secrets have been revealed but the winner of the super bowl is still unknown and unknowable to me at this time, at the time of this recording, while I'm talking, you may be listening to me at a time in the future when you know the winner of the Super Bowl. Please don't tell me now, because I would, I'm looking forward to watching the game. Um, if you invent a time machine, that's going to be unnecessary. Please don't tell me who won this Super Bowl this year. If you'd like to tell me who wins the Super Bowl next year, uh, that would be great, because then I could I would put a bet on that, but this one I'm kind of looking forward to to just watching. Okay, I'm glad we got that all straightened out. And now, without further ado, I'd like to present to you my friend, Alan Havey. You know him from, um, he had his own show in Comedy Central. He was, a, he's just, he's been all over. He's a hilarious comic. You can check him out online, Alan Havey. And uh, I will plug some of his dates, I believe, at the end of this show. If I can find the shit of paper where I wrote down the plugs while you are listening, I will be digging through the pieces of paper that I brought with me to the West Edmonton Mall. Which one of us is going to have a better time? I got my money on you for this one. Here we go. 
Today is January 17th. 17th. Yep. I believe today the... I believe the the Dolphins might have won the Super Bowl on this day. Uh, The perfect season. This is when they beat the Redskins. Not this year. No. No. That... that, That's another lifetime. So it's... uh, I don't even know if the... I don't even know what's going on with the Dolphins in terms of if they would be... Are they in it? They're not in it. No, they're... Like you and me, they're sitting at home... uh, in chairs. They're listening to this podcast on their pod machine. Not yet, because it's not happening live, but they will be. Well, that's my that's my dream. <laughs> that's my dream. Are you excited about your 49ers? I, I don't really know. Football? You're going to have to tell me who is in the Super Bowl, Alan, because I, I can't there really is, say Nobody that knows know. yet, Jake. We have the playoffs coming up this Well, week. that's good news, so I don't feel like I'm that behind. Really? No, you. You st- still time to catch up. Okay. Uh, who I, I who could potentially? How many teams are? Is it down to four? All right, and they. So for your the listeners, 49ers listening, are, yeah. they could be listening now in March or in two years from now. But this is the uh, Friday before Championship Sunday in uh, the NFL. But, and and we're talking about uh, we're, 2000. It's 2014, but this is the 2013 season, obviously. Yes. And to the final four teams, the 49ers are in there, so I'm excited about that. Are and, you? Uh, yeah. No, I don't really care. But I did live in so San Francisco, bad. so I are could... you still a baseball guy? No, I kind of quit. I kind of quit being a sports guy a little bit. It saves a lot of time, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, and it doesn't. Space. It doesn't. It's kind of nice to know enough about it that you can get involved in a conversation with someone somewhere. You know, where where now you have some mindless thing to to kind of talk about. Well, but then you can get in with someone who really knows their stats. It's like talking politics, and people start rattling off all. These ambassador names and presidents are bringing up the past. You go, oh, man, I'm weighing over my head. Yeah, you're over your head. That's yeah. a bad feeling. That is a bad feeling. I don't like that feeling. But the beauty, that, that is, that's one of the nice things about podcasting is, is we could actually wind up in a conversation where both of us don't know what we're talking about. And we just keep going. That's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I'm, I will rein you in. By the way, this, uh, this is a great room. It's this nice is, in here. I got a lot of my crap in here. Yeah, this is a room where you put a bunch of crap and you got to a couple of chairs and it's got a little musty feel it's got some great uh i'm just filled with tchotchkes in no particular order well everything in here kind of has a little story if you've got any questions i can tell you stories about the things in here but that will oh, be another that's probably more of a video podcast i think absolutely that little toy truck up there the the bowling pin the uh journey's end poster yeah with well, a toy I, truck Fanula doesn't come in here i'm does she? Yeah, she does. Okay, so it's got to be. Do you think it damages her a little bit? You know what, Fanula? No, I think if your dad think, was single, if you ne- never met your mom, never got married, this is where he would live, just in this room. Yeah, my whole house would look like this, and it did sort of look like this. Not, it, not exactly. But I always no, thought you were a neat guy. I'm a tidy guy, but this is all of my crap crammed into one room. Like but a this lot is of not tidy. Things, no, it's a mess, and this is the tidied up version of it. Yeah, for because you were coming over. But I think I was at your place years ago. Maybe John Ross uh, painted a picture. John Ross, mm-hmm. uh, uh, former comedian. Yes, he's, and he's been a guest on this podcast. Yeah, as well. so I'm just letting people know that I'm uh, not just throwing names out there. No, I know you're 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 talked uh, about when you got the biggest television in the world. And you can go 80s. see it. It's right in the other room. No, this is back in the 80s. No, it's the same TV. It's the same TV? I got that TV in 1989 when I had a pilot deal. 
or maybe not 1989, 1987-88, when I first... Visitors uh, with Fish? Yeah. And I was in Los Angeles, first time. I got this pilot deal, and I had this money in the bank, and I thought it wasn't, by comparison to some of the ones that came after that, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't a huge deal. And in fact, after I paid taxes, all I had left was enough for that TV, which was a, which was kind of a splurge. But I mean, it was it was it, it's pathetic now, but I still have it. It's a picture tube, and it looks fine. I have one in my... Uh office at home uh got the sony uh tbr xbr mm-hmm. the last of the big box flat screens and uh i kind of like it I'm, i you know people i have uh, friends that come over and say you can afford it it's just like you know you, you that's what people say to me this is not my tv in my office this is my tv this is my main this is my tv yeah. that we're talking about right well now. we have two we have one in the living room mm-hmm. and they're uh, Exactly the same Sony. I like my TV in a box, and I will get a flat screen, and I'm I'm going to get it soon. And I'm I, but I love my television framed by in a box inside of a box, and it has some depth to it because it just seems that there's just more there. Well, mine's in a box, and then the box is in a cabinet, so it's really. That TV is controlled, yeah. but I do like those flat ones that you can put on the wall and then bring out, and they, they're mounted so you can swing them around. If you want to sit in a different chair, you can still have the TV facing right at you. And it, the high Isn't def, that my dream? The high def. Your dream? Yes, the high def. You see mm-hmm. every blade of grass in, at Wimbledon. You know, you uh, it, when you're watching a baseball game, you can see the, the grains of dust and clay. It's just beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I haven't got. I'm, I'm trying not to let myself experience that too much. It's very tough to go to Costco for me because they have all those TVs at the front, and you have to walk past them and go. The experience that I'm having right now is so much different than the experience I'm having in my house when I watch the things that I want to watch. Yeah, you know, these are golden times to watch television. These are great times. I mean. You know, young comedians, they complain about life. and No, no, these are great times, man. Well, there's a lot of great stuff on TV. Uh, and you're on a lot of great... You, I'm, I'm loving that. I was listening to you on Mark Merritt's podcast. You got, you've got all these great shows that you've been on that you've, got to, that you've gotten to actually be behind on the front of the camera on. Yeah, it was, it's been really nice the last couple of years. Uh, and it's uh, a lot of it's just a dream come true. You know, I mean, you know, when Louis came out, I go, wow, I want to get on that show. And I've always wanted to be on The Office. And I'm a big Mad Men fr- fan. So I got to be on all those shows. And then there right, was unbelievable. Sh- there's a show on Disney called Good Luck Charlie, which I think was just ended its run. And, man, it was great. And the people were nice. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet one asshole in, like, seven or eight acting jobs I did in the last couple of years. Well, that's interesting because I have this theory um, – about that that has to do with the nice people the people who are pleasant to work with mm-hmm. sort of find each other and every once in a while an asshole gets in there by accident and then the kind of asshole people find each other too you know the the people who like to yell at each other to accomplish things they sort of wind up together and then the more kind or gentle or or just thoughtful people you know don't take those you know you don't want to work with for a guy who's going to yell at no, you all the time you don't and i i when i was a hosting night after night back in the days when the earth was cooling for comedy central uh it was a dynamic where i was that asshole at times oh you went from being the asshole no to- no i i was the i had to be i was i was working with two producers who were great but i felt they were too passive and so a lot of stuff 
I didn't have any buffers. So I think as I look back in the day, I was pretty harsh at times. But Harsh with the producers. Oh, yeah, and, and harsh with a lot of people. But the show was good. It was all about the show. And I felt that because I didn't have any buffers of people handling certain things that I felt should have been handled differently. Were you talking about the day-to-day production or yes, just the day-to-day. interaction with the network to try and get no, you to do your own thing? the network was fine. I mean, the network – I protected my staff from the bosses. That's what I did. That was my job, and I, I enjoyed that. And I got good people on the show. So um, I think there are shows out there where everyone's nice and there's the executive producer is kind of a dick, but they deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but I think there are a lot of – nice people in this business that you meet it's i think 90 percent of the people you meet in this business are pretty genuine and nice boy that's a high number that is i don't know if i would put it that high but i would have to say from my own personal experience that that i think that that's true i haven't had as much experience as you have had but But even in comedy clubs i'm not just talking about these acting jobs oh yeah 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 but when you get a job yes when you get a job when you're finally doing the job it's Whatever it very is. nice. Yeah, a comedy club or wherever. I mean, sometimes comedy clubs can be a little weird. Every once in a while you get – there's some nutty guy at the top that's making it a little bit bizarre. You know, these guys who who are like, you you can only have two drinks. And I thought I saw you talking to the waitress. You got to – don't talk to the waitress. It's like, come on. I don't deal with those guys anymore. Yeah, I, I, don't. I don't either. I, don't I, I work specific clubs during the year, and it's mm-hmm. nice. They know me. I know the rules. I know the protocol. I don't step over the line. It's nice. And you've been meditating. I heard you say that you were meditating. Now, I want to find out about meditating. Can you help me? Absolutely. It's pretty simple, you know. Uh, And it's not TM. I haven't gone into the... You don't have a mantra. No. I mean, there's things I say to myself sometimes uh, that help. (laughs) But uh, 20 minutes a day. You mean just like positive sort of... Not even positive, just calming. It's more... Mm -hmm. I had a friend, three friends, different friends mentioned it to me about meditation during a period of a week or two. And I thought, well, that's kind of a sign to, like, give it a shot. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I've got a lot of people mentioning it to me, including a paid brain helper person. You have a you have one of those? Yeah. Why not? Brain helper? Do you have a brain helper? No. You should think I've about had, it. I've, not I've bad. had them. Oh, you have? Yes. Okay. And I so kind of sure. get the idea. Well, yeah, it's... Right. I don't want to get into talking about brain helpers. I want to get into talking about uh, meditating. So how do, you, how do you do it? What do you do? You sit in a chair uh, and you uh, concentrate on your breathing. Take a deep breath, breathe out, you know, and I'll give you a CD that walks you through it for 22 minutes. And do you listen to the CD every time you I do used it? to, and now sometimes with a CD, but mostly just do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And if you're you start thinking about stuff, you take a deep breath and... Let it out, let go of the stuff, and go back to breathing. And do it for about 20, 25 minutes every day in the morning. And sometimes in the afternoon, but mostly in the morning. Well, I was trying to do it on my own without a CD. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that I just, I would get, like I'm five, ten minutes in, and I realize I'm just going over my to-do list with my eyes closed. That right happens. Now. And then you breathe in, you get it out of your head, and just start concentrating on your breathing. Here's the thing about meditation. Unless you fall off the chair and catch on fire, you can't do it wrong. The, all that stuff in your head is there. It's not It's not bad. It's just there. You just kind of breathe it out. And it's interesting. Sometimes I'll listen to the – when I started doing listening to tape, I go, God, I've been here for hours. And I'm not. It's just 20 minutes. 
So you, it, it seems like it's longer. Yeah, I do have that that sensation too. Mm-hmm. For the, there's the distraction sensation, and then the kind of getting antsy and feeling like, okay, yeah. I got, I'm ready. I gotta go. Uh-huh. I need to go do something right now. This is ridiculous. But I'm see, just sitting here. I'm not doing anything. What am they, I doing? I'm not doing anything. <laughs> but then in your life, when you're doing stuff, don't you want time to go a little longer? Don't you want a little more time? And so meditation really slows everything down, slows your brain down. And when you do it every day or just about every day, you get better at it. You practice it. That's why they call it practicing yoga or practicing Mm -hmm. meditation. You never achieve nirvana. Sometimes you have great days, but it's just that the more you do it, the the cumulative effect of it uh, has made an impact on my life. And how long have you been been doing it just about every day? Two, three years. Wow, that's pretty, that's impressive. I mean, I suppose it's one day you just you start and then you don't stop, and now it's two, three years. But yeah, I, and I started like three years ago a little bit, then I got away from it and back to back, and then it got consistent. And how would you do, like describe a little? I I love that concept of the of feeling like you've got more space in your day that things have slowed down a little bit. Absolutely, and you know, in traffic, when you're stuck. I concentrate on my breathing. If I find myself getting irritated, I concentrate on my breathing and I say, you're going to get there when you get there. You know, that kind of thing. It helps with that. Mm -hmm. I was raised by a father, a very loving father, a gregarious father, but also a lot of anger. So in my mind, when you're angry, you yell. That's perfectly normal. It's okay to pick up something and throw it, not at someone, but throw it and, you know, that's okay because that's just anger. It's not okay. I had a little bit of that in my childhood, too, and so I can definitely relate to it. It takes a while for you to realize that it's not okay because you think, well, you know, people get their feelings hurt or they're afraid of you. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then you, you, at first you feel like, well, that's their problem because they just don't understand that I'm right. just, I was just mad. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. But, right, it's not okay. Yeah. I'm on and, board with that. And really, you are... It's not okay for you either, really. No, I don't that's, think. that's where, who it hurts the most. It really does. When you get angry, you're all by yourself in your car, and you really get angry, and, you know, it's it takes a toll on your system and on your heart, on your immune system, on your mind. Uh, it's not good. Well, and it's unpleasant. It's not fun to be angry. Although I'm sometimes very comfortable in anger. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes I find anger very uh, – it's an old friend of mine. I've, I've relied on anger many times, sometimes to motivate me, sometimes to express, you know, I think anger hey, – I, I suppose I should take it back, yeah, because it no, does – you don't have to take it back. It just – I I'm When you're blowing it out, sometimes it feels great, yeah. but then right afterwards, yeah. it's like an orgasm only reverse. It feels great right, right while you're doing it, and then afterwards you completely regret it. Listen, in, uh, Seattle is playing uh, the Niners. Uh, they are playing the Niners this weekend in Seattle. The Seahawks. The Seahawks. And they it's a very loud stadium known for that. Mm-hmm. Like they're the 12th man, you know. And these people are screaming and yelling. And I did that when I was a Dolphin fan as a kid back in the 70s. You get up, like they get down to the two-yard line. You're up there, come on, man. And that's a great feeling. Just to just to yell, yeah, but then yell. That's, that's more positive yelling. I guess ne- you're negative yelling. Or yell at the umps. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who are the other two teams that are playing? Alan? The other two teams are Denver and New England. They're playing in Denver. So. Okay, it's great. You've got four uh, quarterbacks, two veteran in the pocket passers, and two guys that are young and scramble and can move. 
So it's it's just going to be a great weekend of uh, viewing. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I, I like, all those four, oh, those two games are happening this weekend, this Sunday, and then in a couple of weeks it's going to be the Super Bowl and between the, the winner of those two. Absolutely. Yeah, games. See, look at you. You're right. I back feel like I football. picked it right up. I feel like <laughs> I picked it right up. <laughs> gather gather the people. San Francisco, New England would be a good uh, Super Bowl. To me to see because th- th- those represent two of the comedy towns that I worked when I was, you know, kind of starting out. See, it's all about you, Jake. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is yeah, your podcast. Is. This is my podcast. Yeah. We're in my room full of, like, this is the inside of my brain. This room is kind of like the inside of my brain. So it is. It's so you do the, need a brain helper. The world. I can see why. I'm trying to tidy this shit up, Alan, <laughs> or make some sense of it. Uh, well, that's another thing I learned, too. And my wife's really neat. That when I'm I'm much better organized. And I, I kind of learned this when I was a young man when I went to New York. I said, "You're on your own." My my house wasn't very well organized um, mm-hmm. when I was a kid growing up, and I really like organization. And I go to my brother's house, and with his wife, he's been married for years, and he's incredibly organized. And I think this is a reaction to as kids like we're finally in our environment. We're going to make it really nice. We're going to make it, and that's very soothing to my mind. It's it, like when I know where things are, when I have things filed or put yeah, away. Yeah. It's very calming, you know. I'm not anal retentive, you know. My desk is a little cluttered, but, like, I kind of know where everything is. Well, that is the weird thing about in here is I kind of know where a lot of things are. Mm-hmm. But in a weird, in a, no one else could figure it out. But, but, I, but is, it's uh, piled. If you look but, at your comedy and your style of comedy, this all fits because you have everything and, you know, it doesn't go in a specific order. It's not, uh, you know, you don't have your books lined up by author. And uh, there's a tie over here. There's a figurine over there. There's a bottle of wine. So how long has that bottle of wine been there? That bottle of wine has only been there for a little while because, uh, you know, we we rent this house out. And so when people come to rent it, I always leave a bottle of wine up there. So this is for the next people. Classy move. Yeah. And Classic. it's right next to a little bag of coffee. Because we also leave them a little bag of coffee. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. These these two items are in the ready position. They don't really even belong in here. If I ever need to rent a house, I say, honey, let's go over and rent from Jake. Yeah. Because we'll get a little coffee, a little wine. <laughs> yeah. It's a four-night minimum. <laughs> <laughs> you have to leave your deposit down. The yeah, covers. you can't. It, it's not. Uh, it, nothing's free, Alan. But getting back to meditation, so it has helped me. Now, I don't walk around in a caftan. I still get impatient sometimes, but I think uh, getting back to acting, it's made me more present where I am, and that's very important in auditions mm-hmm. because just being there, making your decisions and being in the room, not worrying about getting a job, not thinking what this might mean, not, oh, someone's writing something down, what does that mean? Just go in there, own it, do it, and get the hell out. Well, right, except... When you first were talking about it, I took it to own, get in there, own it, do it, and get the hell out. I mean, that's very process, you know, very kind of knock it out oriented. But I was more thinking about what you talked about at the beginning about having more space. And I find that with myself anyway, in my sometimes when I'm on stage, like if if it's a little if it's a kind of an anxiety situation, I I'm always telling myself to slow down because my instincts from that childhood of being having having there be anger and whatnot is that you've always got to be ready to defend yourself or attack and the reality is in those auditions a lot of times the best thing to do is slow down and take your time you know you don't have to worry about 
doing what you were going to do next after the casting director does whatever you thought that they were going to do and it's not right, you can take your time and just do, like you were saying, just do it and knock it out. Uh, before my second Letterman, this back in 87, I ran into Jerry Seinfeld at Catch, and I'd known him, you know, for several years as, you know, just in the clubs and everything. And he gave me a great bit of advice that people have passed on, and I pass on the people, anyone in public speaking. When I, if you think you're going too slow, slow down. And that has really helped me. Uh, and I pass that along to anyone in the performing arts. I certainly can't do it as a dancer. But, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, well, maybe you could. Or a musician. Because, yeah, I guess. Because, because you might be rushing. And... It, even in life, you think you're going to slow, slow down. You know, people are always geared up. I got to get this done and that mm-hmm. done. But I think it's it's good to do in auditions. And a lot of people say this: don't rush. You have a yeah. tendency to rush. Yeah. People when they start in comedy, you know, uh, beginning that you had, uh, have a tendency to rush through the material. So uh, I think meditation is really yeah. Well, I slow down. It's when you say, if you think you're going too slow, slow down. I think the reality of the way I, that feels to me is, which is the same, but my way of saying it would be, when you think you need to speed up, right. slow down. You and know? you don't need to defend yourself because you're already up there. You're already in charge. You're on stage. You've got the mic. Sure, someone could say something in that little pause. Something could happen in the time that you're taking. But that's them being a jerk. That's not you yeah. losing anything. No, and you just... Hit them once. You can do it subtly, hard. Some, you know, it depends on how wild they are. I'm more of a nice. I'm more. If, if, yeah. I'm more, if people act up, I'm more of a nice person. Yes, yes. I, I know you. I'm not. I let. I rope a dope them. <laughs> That's what I do. If I've ever had a woman like uh, hit me, I, I'll rope a dope. That's happened a couple times. Like, Have you had a woman hit you? Yeah, in, in anger. Because I really, I'm really good at pushing buttons. I'm really good at winning an argument. I can arguments with my wife, and I have lines I could pull out that I don't uh-huh. because you know. But in the past with girlfriends, <laughs> what's an example of? I, I can't of, give it. No, not with your wife necessarily. But what's an example of something that you were where you where you just flamethrowered it? Uh, a girlfriend I was seeing in the past, she gave me a screenplay to read because she had written it. You know, mm-hmm. so I said okay, and it was a couple of days later. She goes, "Why haven't you read it yet? If you had given me a screenplay." I would have read it. And I looked at her and I said, I am not you. And there was no argument. She couldn't do anything. Now, she didn't hit me. But that's an example of saying. That's all you said? That's all I said. I'm not you. But that's a very gentle kind of a. Yes, yes. But, that, but the, on stage, it would be something different, you know. Yeah, I see. Um, so, but there, in the past, when I was younger, there's a girlfriend I had who was very feisty. And I loved her. She's very passionate. And she would argue, 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 and then I would say something not mean, but it was definitely, uh, uh, you know, went for the uh-huh. soft spot. And it, and she exploded in a fist of fury. So It hit you in the face? It started, started coming at me. No, uh, body shots mostly. And so I just kind of hunkered down and put both my arms up and let her wail. You know, until yeah, yeah. Well, you're not allowed to hit ladies back. I mean, and who really wants in self defense? You, can, I suppose, if they're, if, but if it's they're, not going to look good uh, 20 minutes later because it's going to be there's going to be a woman with a shiner, <laughs> and you got to explain it to someone else that yeah. it's no one else is going to go. Oh, I get it. There was a uh, I was sitting on a Southwest flight, and this woman came on. You're talking butch. 
crew cut, looked like a full back, tats on her arms, and just, you know, just a full-on balls-to-the-walls dyke, right? And she's wheeling. I understand what you're saying. Was she mad, too? No, but she, you know, she was like like a tough guy. When you see a tough guy coming down. You weren't going to start in on her. No, but she had, and this is when I do comedy for me, and she had this little roller bag, and it was pink. It's like a little girl's bag, and it was so small, uh-huh. uh, like I would say a mid-sized roller bag. And she stopped, and she put the handle down. So I stood up. I go, Miss, may I help you with that? And she went, Rrr. She gave me a look. She like, just growled at you? Yeah, she just, Rrr. And she you know, like picked it up. It probably weighed like you know 17 pounds maybe and just you know tossed it up there. And I sat back down. Yeah, I did it in a way where she didn't. Yeah, I just. But did, you were just doing it to be to just to kind of push her button a little. Not bit. her. It was for my just own, for your own entertainment. Yes. yes, I do so many things for my own entertainment now that don't infringe. <laughs> I, I I don't cross that line. Uh-huh. Now, if I I would have said it a little bit differently, she might have cold cocked me. You know, or uh-huh. said, "What do you think? I can handle it." You know. Um, and then there was an actress. I was at, uh, and she was carrying uh, several boxes, and I said. You know, can I help you with that? She goes, do I look like I need help? I said, it, I just that's okay. Put my hand up. Got the door for her. I wasn't trying to come on to her. You know? Uh-huh. I said, may I help you with that? And say, hey, little lady, uh, seems like you got to Do I look like I need help? So she was a little bit like, yes, mind I'm, your own business. Exactly. But it was, it was three boxes. It wasn't uh-huh. like one thing. Was she really attractive? Yeah, she yeah. was. So I guess she's used to that. People but are trying I, to help her all the time. They are. And she's sick of it. Yeah. and I, But I, it just came on. It wasn't like I was waiting for, oh, here comes Lodi with yeah. a lot of packages. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can get her phone number. You know. No, no, I totally get. You just were really trying to help her. Yeah. I think, it's, I think you're right. It's it funny. Been it's funny. Tr- her, her reaction is funny to me. Like, yeah. I'm sick of people trying to help me. And I understand like, really? it. <laughs> Who's sick of people trying to help them? Really attractive people are. Yeah, beautiful women are. They're sick of people trying to help them. But me, I'm begging people to help me. Yeah. We don't know. I'm not. I quit even begging. (laughs) I quit even begging. I've given up. What do you need help with? What do you, uh, do you have packages? (laughs) I don't know. No, it's nothing so simple. Hey, buddy, can I help you with one of those boxes? It's nothing so simple as I need help moving, Alan. I'm going to be moving and I'd like you to come over and help me load some boxes. That's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I know. But see, that's an example of the kind of help. You're moving? No, we're not. No, we're not. That was a joke. All right. We're not moving. That was an example. That was an example of, a, okay. of of the kind of a help that you're talking about. Again, I ask you, that I don't Jake, really need. What do you need help? My with? help. I need help to figure out like what I should be, what I should be doing to. That's why I asked you about meditation because I need a little bit of a. I feel like I'm at a really great place with my act right now. The material's coming. I just shot another special. I feel like I'm creative. I'm ha- I'm getting a great response from the audience, but. What do you do to to get more people out to the show, or how do you get it to be to 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 kind of plus? I don't want to go. I want to. I don't want to take it to the next level. I just would like to go up one step. You are, you already have. You're there. Right. I'm doing Here's the it. Thing, you're there. I'm doing it. It's natural for you to want to go up, but if what you told me, you just did a special. New material is being responded to. I'm taking all the steps that I need to be taking. Yes, what you're you're, you're already there. See, you just helped me. Yes. There you go. It's it's better than therapy. You're you're if you're on that path, you know, I I see a lot of young comedians and I know they're frustrated uh because it seems like everyone around them is getting a deal or right. a special right. or a TV show. 
I remember those times in my career of of wondering, like, who, what's happening? How how do I am I in the standing? Am I standing in the wrong line? But I mean, I, I not to complain. I've had a great yeah. I've had a great. And you had so early far. success. Yes, I did, and I did too. And I, I look back in my early days and go, wow, things really. I I moved. Uh, I progressed. The first twelve years in the business, it was all boom, boom, up, 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 and not every day, but you know, I made progress, and that's what you have to concentrate on, and that's what where meditation helps. Like if you're doing the things in the moment, and you have that little carrot and the stick out there well I want to get there and then you get there and then you put another carrot out there that's the nature of man um, you're doing it you're, mm-hmm. you're already there I remember this comedian at the comedy cellar said I want to be as good as Colin Quinn Yeah, he used him as an example I guess he was looking at his Saturday Night Live appearances and his one man shows I go dude you're already as good and I and, and you know you're because you're your own comedian. You own your shit. This guy's a really good comedian. Mm-hmm. He's got his own style, his own voice. You're already there. Just keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, don't look at Colin Quinn or Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, you or, can't compare yourself to other other people. The things that they're doing or 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 the opportunities that they have, you can't compare and say, well, why? How do I get that? Or how you know you're going to get your you're going to get what you get. Or when you know you work with them, say, hey. uh Take them out for once and say, you know, and not work them. I've been worked by the comedians, but what did you do uh, to do this? And you'll find out nine times out of ten, it's, I worked my ass off and focused on what I had to do. Mm-hmm. It was getting a good manager. And also, I got a little lucky here. I worked hard. You know how hard work really brings a little luck. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. So, expression. you know, it, it it's work, perseverance, luck, than talent. Because the harder you work and the more you persevere over all the bullshit that happens in the artistic mind, your own bullshit, and the outside bullshit, the more you get through that and and practice handling that, then you get a little lucky. And your talent is there that you've developed by Mm -hmm. work and perseverance to see you through uh, whatever project you're doing. Yeah, I read this this quote the other day – about it was, it was sort of about working artists, and it said inspiration is for amateurs. Like artists go to work. Yeah, you sit down with your paints or your pen or your word processor or whatever, and you try and ma- create things. You right. don't wait. You don't sit around and wait until you have an inspiration. That's that's not how. It, that's not how it works. You have to apply yourself. Most of the inspiration comes from within. I mean, you can see things, you can see other comedians who go see a movie or listen to some music or read a book and go, wow, yeah, okay, that inspires me or have an idea. But I think most of our inspiration, a friend of mine in college made an observation, and this is what's great about being older, because when you have friends from the past, they have a point of view of you that you don't necessarily have. And this guy said to me, he said, you know what I liked about you? Uh, You always sought your own counsel. And I, that really hit me like, wow. I, and I looked back and go, yeah, I did. I went to, no one told me to, I went to New York on my own. I trusted my instincts of, I'm mm-hmm. going to get in a stand up. I'm going to work this club. I'm going to try to get this manager. I'm going to try to get this situation. And I trusted myself that I knew what to do. I, I, and if I didn't, I'll figure it out and then do it another way. But I think any artist that's working today has more or less sought his own counsel. Has 
you're your best therapist or your best coach. Well, and, and I feel like those things that you're talking about sound like early on things, which I can also relate to because I dropped out of college to go to San Francisco to do stand-up. I mean, I mean, it was we were really making up. Comedy wasn't the way it is now, where it was everywhere, and there was so many. It was a people career that you could now. Yeah, there's just, back then. On paper, I, back then, that was like, what is wrong with I, you? I, and I didn't know. I didn't know people who were comedians, and I didn't. I'd never been to a comedy club when I went to San Francisco to become a comedian. I, I didn't know what I was even doing, but I just right. decided to go take a shot at it. So well, those what did things you do? Have, you sought your own counsel. I sought my own counsel. That's what I was uh, working around to is there's there's that. And then you and I both had that early success. So you're re- you're rewarded for that. And then like 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 all careers, you know, there's ups and not necessarily downs but there's plateaus and then there's moments where and then there are downs and there are and then there's moments where you're not sure like is is should i am i going to keep doing what i'm doing you know i had that sitcom deal that we talked about where i got that tv at the beginning and i thought well i'm going to be you know i'm in on that deal were you i mean everybody in town was practically yeah on that every deal day, at some you point. know but i was one of the first guys that went in and they didn't like me you know oh, it, it was, was okay so, and then i heard Months after that, they were still looking to replace, to, to not replace me, but to take the part I had auditioned for because they really liked me. And I went in, then I did. Eh, let's. What about somebody else? Well, you know, it, that was one of those experiences, and I can't remember you specifically, but uh, the conversation about you specifically. But there were there were several people like you that mm-hmm. I thought was great, and the writers thought were great, and but that the network had some other reason for wanting there to be a different person in there, or there there were other, you know, forces at work that were trying to make it into a thing, and you just have to deal with that. But I was more saying, so you have that those early successes, and then you get to that point where you have a down, or now I'm we're both at the point where we've had several ups and downs and sideways and twists and turns. And, you know, you're, you're right now having this, uh, sort of renaissance with an acting career. Yeah. It's, this is like, uh, I feel like kind of a green kid that I, I feel like I've been banging around in triple a for a while now. Oh, come on into the majors. And what do and you, it's really, it's, it's like fun. It's like, wow, this is fun. It makes show business fun again. You know, and I've always had fun doing stand-up, but going to a set and, you know, doing the part and meeting the crew and working with other actors, and it's just so much fun, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of when I was a, a theater major back in college. Like, this is what I love doing. And can you can you point to anything in that doldrum downtime before this time that you did or changed in order to make this possible? I mean, the meditation sure you're talking Changed about. Changed my attitude. Changed my... In 1998, I remember the day I was walking in Palisades Park, looking out over the Pacific Ocean. Mountains, you know, it's it just ridiculously beautiful mm-hmm. uh, area that I, I walk and uh, try to daily. And uh, I said, well, it's over. You know, I mean, I'll be a stand-up and stuff like that, <laughs> but I had my shot. I had my shot at a sitcom. I had this. I go, I said, it's, it's over. I mean, I, I, you know, I I was like 44 at the time, and I talked about this on uh, Marin. And then something like over the next three months, I go, no, 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 no. Just do what you do. Get good at it. You know, keep auditioning. It's not over. And, and, and at 50, I had a sitcom. 
mm-hmm. uh, I was cast in a sitcom, and it was it was six episodes and out on Fox. But oh, okay. And then I got some, you know, acting work, and and but it was basically my attitude, the way I saw myself, and and I started saying to myself, no, really good things are coming. Like when I started out as a comedian, and I got this, and I got that, I go, that's going to happen again. That's going to happen till the day you die. So I changed my attitude. But it didn't come from what it came from originally, which was you're going on stage, people are loving you in a club, right. they see you and they plug you into something. This came from going out on auditions. People, obviously, you carry your history with you into those auditions. Right. People, But, but they weren't discovering you in a nightclub no. like the old days. Yeah. that See, that part was over. I go, everyone's seen me now in this business, 1998. Mm-hmm. When I had that thing, like, fuck it, it's over. Everyone's seen me. I'm not the new guy. I'm not the new surprise. When you started telling this story, I thought that that was your breakthrough, changing your attitude. When I finally decided it was over, <laughs> things, things started turning around for me. Well, but, uh, attitude-wise, I was on the bottom. My my attitude was not good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't uh, healthy. I wasn't taking care of myself as much as I, I should have been. Um, I wasn't uh, a good person to be around. A lot of the time. I mean, I was fun, but then it would turn into anger. Cranky, and, bitter. Yeah. You bitter a little bit. Not, bitterness was never a thing. Here's the thing. I've never, and this is what saved me, and this came from my dad. I was never, I was envious sometimes, never jealous, never bitter about what they had. And that really has helped me. I, I think that, that that is really solid advice because you... You're biting your hand of the hand of your best ally when you do that. Yes. When when you start getting bitter and jealous of other people, your contemporary success, it's like those are those are your fellow. They're on the same squad in the army. They're yeah. on your team. They're on like the signpost. When, when you're going into battle, you don't immediately shoot the guy next to you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good way of putting it. But also, it's it. They're showing you. That it can – that, look, it right. happens. It happens to another comedian. Be happy for any comedian doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Richard Pryor did this bit about Leon Spinks and people were putting him down became champion. Remember when he beat Ali in the I 70s? I do, yeah, yeah. And uh, Pryor and his special said, be happy for any nigger doing anything. And as much as I hate to say that word, that's how I feel about comedians. Be happy for any comedian that you know getting anything, commercial, a gig – you know, I hear these uh, young brothers talking about Kevin Hart and how, like, when he blew up a couple of years ago and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and, but I can see, it. yeah, and I said, no, 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 be happy for him because uh, buyers, uh, people that make movies and cast TV shows, oh, he's a comedian. Well, let's go out and find other comedians. Well, right. I mean, that would, it was the success of comedians that caused the whole comedian's need to be the star of our sitcom thing that is now practically a, a given yeah you know? well you know I mean, it's, it did it it's did been there a it's little been bit. there since the 50s and the 60s don adams don rickles uh a lot of guys who did character work that we saw in the beverly hillbillies mm-hmm. ronnie graham mr dirt the old mr dirt commercials i'm dirt i'm grime i'll get in your engine he was a comedian, Ronnie Shell on Gomer Pyle, who played yeah, yeah. the second banana. Mm-hmm. He he was a club comic. So uh, casting directors have always cast comedians. This has never been anything new. But every time a comedian gets something, that's another thing that makes them go look at more comedians for the next thing. Absolutely, doing. absolutely. Yeah. And there's a, and 
actors especially have a great respect for comedians. You know, I remember when I first came to town and the guy, one of the guys who, who was up for that other part on that Visitors and Fish show was a great actor named Christopher McDonald. He's gone on to have a ton of great jobs. Oh, his yeah. First big thing was, you know, Thelma and Louise. He plays. Yeah, the husband. The, the kind of, yeah. The, the, and he can play that and he can play the alpha male. He's so great. And see, that's, that's, he was this young, handsome actor who had this great future and he was a really nice guy. And the producers liked him and I thought he was great. And I'd go over and we'd kind of rehearse to get ready to go into network. And we're, you know, you're hanging out and talking. You're not just working on your project. You're talking about your little things. And I remember saying to him, you know, that was in the late eighties. And I remember saying something to him about, Hey, all these actors just trying to go up and do stand up so they can get discovered in a comedy club because comedians are hot right now. Right. And how, how about the, I, sometimes as a comedian, you just get pissed off that the people think that they can just come in and do your job that you've worked hard to be good at. And right. he looked at me and he goes, yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These actors that have, been you know banging it out for years and years and always <laughs> yeah, like, some comic we, walks in and we, goes we like, found oh. this guy in a club <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well see and, and another thing too is you think like there's so many talented actors like you just mentioned christopher mcdonald and all these guys out there why are they going to use me? I mean, you know, I've done acting. That's how, that's how I got I, I mean, I was a theater just, major, so I, I do have a background in acting, but still, you know uh, it's like, come on. Well, listening to you talk has made me think, you know, I've been having these conversations with my manager because I kind of stopped going on auditions a couple of years ago because I was so busy on the road out of town, first of all. So every time I got an audition, it felt like a pain in the ass thing that I had to do. It's like this errand you don't want to run. Yeah. And then, yes, it fe- I felt like, why don't I just go to the corner and buy a lottery ticket? Why do I have to go all the way to the valley? Because it's not a lottery. I know. You control the the Well, you control what you do in the room. Absolutely. But I I had that attitude that you were just talking about. I had the attitude of, look, if they know who I am and they're predisposed to want someone like me to be in this part, I've got a shot. But if I'm just going in there, hey, I got a good agent and they got me in because I look like I could be the guy like these other actors look like, how am I going to take a job away from a trained actor because they have got the chops and I am just a comic. No, that's yeah, how that's how I had my head. I know, but that's, you know, because first of all, the door is open for you. You when someone opens a door, you go. Even you, whatever you I mean, there's so many actors in this town your age that would kill to get as many just to be able to go into the yes, room. Yes, to get yes. in the room. Just get me in the goddamn room. And I would be doing them an injustice if I didn't take that spot. You're doing yourself the injustice. Yeah. That's you're not you're not taking away. You're doing yourself the injustice. This is I'm not I don't by going in there like all right, I'll you know. Yeah, no, I'm going to I'm going to start going back out on auditions for example. No, don't cuz you're my competition. We're the same. I'm not your competition. Yes, we're we're younger than me, you're funnier than me, you're better looking than me. Get the, stay if where I, you are. If I get a job, stay in this room. If I get a job, are you going to feel shitty about no, me getting a job? You're going to be happy for me, aren't you? Yes, I will. What if it's a job that Honestly. we both audition for? And you get it great. I here's mm-hmm. another thing too. And I've auditioned with lots of friends. And the Oh yeah, row. yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, and 
There's only one guy I don't want to get work, but <laughs> out there. And he gets plenty of work, so oh, you got to tell me who it is. Yeah, absolutely not. I don't name names, but... But after the show, you will? Yes, I will. After okay, the then show, I can but... mention him in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Um, but, yeah, I always say if it doesn't go to me, I hope it goes to a buddy. Yeah, yeah, Instead yeah. of someone I don't know. Like, I went uh, to read for uh, a detective for uh, Two Broke Girls. Mm-hmm. And I walk, and it's a detective from Queens or Brooklyn, and I walk in, and Lou DiMaggio's in the room. And I said, well, now, if I was a casting director... And I had my choice. I'd cast Lou DiMaggio over uh-huh. most of the people in these rooms, especially me, you know. And Lou got the part. So I was genuinely oh, that's happy. that's great. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't get it. But, hey, Lou got it. Great. You know, so I'm happy for Lou. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um, but Brian Cranston, and if you're a young actor, young comedian, you're auditioning, this is the guy to listen to. He has the best advice. And this happened to me three or four years Where ago. Where did you hear his advice? He's the, he's the star of Breaking Bad. Yes. Was, was, yes was, he is, is the star of that show, but they're done making it. Is yes. he really? I don't, I've never seen I that I just show. thought I would fill in my listeners who <laughs> a lot of them are watching football, and they know about that, but they don't, they don't know, know about, about Brian Cranston. Cranston. Well, if you don't. You or know. People, don't know, people don't know actors' names either. They don't? Yeah. He was, I, I, I don't know about that. But anyway, he said, you're, uh, he talks about auditioning. You can look it up on YouTube, Google it. Your job is to go in there. This is an acting job. You're, not to worry about getting the job, not to worry about this or that. You uh, memorize the lines, you make your choices, you go in, you do your job, and you walk out and forget it. And I started doing that about four or five years ago. When I saw that advice, I go, well, that's kind of what I've been doing. Let me tweak it more a little bit. That advice really helped. Right. You pretend that this is this is the job. You don't pretend. It is a job. You're not a professional. People say, I feel like a professional auditioner. That's part of being an actor. That's part of your profession. Like writing material is part of a comedian's profession. Yep. Ironing your shirt before you go on in a hotel is part of your profession, looking presentable. Some of these kids today are not ironing their shirts. That's all, because it's groovy and it's cool and, you yeah. know. I'm still a shirt ironer. As long as your material's good, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're good on stage. I mean, look at Zach Galifianakis. Broke a car, you know, the beard, you know. No one even knows what he looks like. Yeah. But, I mean. I'm growing my beard out now. Brilliant comedian. Yeah, I can see that. He's he's such a good comedian and a great presence. You know, he he, He can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. If you can can make it work, great. Well, you have to be who you are. You can't pretend to be a thing that you're you're not. Unless you're an actor, and then your job is to pretend you're a thing that you're not. But once you hit 40, no more hoodies on stage. That's all I ask. I kind of would like to say no more hoodies on stage. Just no, I think young guys, it's fine. It's accepted. If you've got to. Home, but I always feel like, look, let's try and look a little bit nicer than the people who are here to watch us. You oh, know? that's that's easy. You can put on a nice hoodie and a pair of jeans and you already okay, look better yeah. than half so, the room. So put on your nice hoodie. At least wear, put on your nice hoodie. Or, or just wear a collared shirt. You know, you can wear jeans. You can wear a good pair of sneakers. Could you wear a collared sh- a t-shirt with a sports jacket? Sure, if you that's want to, permissible. Yeah, if you want to be, go back to '86, go ahead. You want to go back to? Miami oh, I think that's Vice? more like '94, but uh, probably no, you're '78. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could be, could be. But uh, what were we talking about? Well, you were given your acting advice about going on auditions. Brian Cranston, yeah. yes, watch his advice because it's the best advice uh, to watch. 
And then I was going to add the other thing I wanted to ask you about today, which kind of goes along with this, is you're giving these uh, kind of motivational speeches. I mean, so the conversation that we've had, we've been having yes. is not obviously what you do in those situations. But Partly. how did you how did you get started? What made you start doing that? And how did you and, what the, and the nuts and bolts of how you kind of developed your nine, nine, ten years ago? I had this idea because I was thinking back, you know, after I went through my little uh, attitude change. Okay, when I got to New York, I remember being really happy and very productive and getting things done. I go, how did I do that? I came out of college. How did, how did I kind of get there? So I started writing down the things that helped me and the things that didn't. So I started sending out emails and asking people, my peers, younger than me, older than me, different uh, professions but still in the arts, broadcasting, dance, what two things really helped you out of college and what two things held you back? It can be two sentences. It could be two paragraphs. Uh-huh. It could be a couple paragraphs. Whatever whatever you just sent it to me when you had the time and appreciate it. So I got all this great information. And it's basically advice. Mm-hmm. It's not how to be sure. a star. It's not how to, you know. And so I compiled it and put it into this presentation that I did at Hamilton College. I did it at Florida State. I, I, I did it at a high school down south. And while I was um, looking for – what's the word? Oh, researching. I was researching uh, all this. I started watching every motivational and advice speaker I could get on the internet. Um, oh, oh, because a lot of them you can't get on the internet because you've got to buy their – Yeah, but I selling mean, their – Well, Tony Robbins – someone give me a Tony Robbins thing. So I, I went through that program. Really great if you're not motivated. Uh, it's not going to, you know – solve all your problems but it's really great to focus it's about focus it's about uh there's a lot of stuff on there i read you know socrates i read the marcus aurelius i I watched zig ziglar who's an old school motivational Uh guy you know your attitude i just dove in i just opened up my mind and heart to all this stuff and just saturated my head with it and i think that really helped me well, because one of the things that we do as comedians is we observe the world and then take make a takeaway. Jokes are like little kernels of surprise knowledge. Like right. this is my surprise take that when I say it, you're going to recognize it's true, but you hadn't thought of it yet. Right. And it's funny that I that I got there. Yeah, and it's out there. It's right there in front. Right. Of you. And, and so this is what I love about Seinfeld. When I would watch him as a young comic, and even today, it's like, oh my god, it's right there. He sees he see, the joke is right there floating around, and Jerry just plucked it, and polished it, and presented it. Well, those are the best jokes where you think yes. like someone must already. This is so. I can't believe no one's done this before. Yeah, yeah, because it's so simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you go through all these motivational things, and you're basically kind of gleaning and getting things that you agree with and putting them into a and an some things I don't or, agree with. But you know what? Try it. Mm-hmm. And I look back and, and what I did, like one thing I did back when I was a young man in New York, when I was still bartending, was I trained and ran the marathon. Mm-hmm. And this is 79, I saw people finish. I had a friend of mine from Miami who came up to run and I was looking for him. I never found him. But I saw this look of satisfaction and accomplishment of everyday people as they were crossing at the three-hour, four-hour, five-hour mark. And I'm like, I'm running this next year. and I made And I did it. And I trained for it, and I did it, and I ran like three New Yorks in a row, one Miami. Then I quit after that. But that sense of accomplishment that no one could take away from me. I wasn't auditioning. 
So uh, my advice to you... Well, you set a goal that seems unbelievable. It's beyond what you've done. Right. And then you achieve it. Yeah, it's something beyond... Now now it's not unbelievable because a lot of people have run marathons. But for me, it was like to run 26 miles was ludicrous Mm -hmm. almost. It was just like, no, you can't. No, you can't. Just train. And I so picture you just smoking and mocking people who are running in the marathon. That was later. Yeah. But I didn't mock people. But, yeah, I I started cigarettes again in my 30s, which was, you know, ridiculous. But I really enjoyed those smoking. Smoking is fun and it's cool. I mean, look, I'm down with that. I don't don't smoke anymore. But it's so bad for you. It It really is horrible for you. Yeah, it's ridiculously terrible. But it's so much fun. Well, that's why you still like the nicotine lozenges. I they started. Me a lift. We're on a little bit of a sidetrack now, and then we're going to go back. We're going to get but, back to but, my uh, wonderful life. <laughs> I started chewing nicotine gum because I heard I heard several people, Mark Marin and some other people, talking about the nicotine, and I like to have. I started having a piece of nicotine gum sometimes right before I go on stage, like for a late show, because it kind of feels like you get a little bit of a neurological focus and unlike caffeine it gets out of your system quicker Mm -hmm. so you're not up all night you know yeah the nicorette i don't think they make it anymore they made a mocha flavored lozenge Mm -hmm. so you had coffee and a cigarette i don't think there's you put the lozenge in your mouth while you're drinking the coffee and no 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 it was mocha flavored so it was like having a coffee and cigarette and a pill i felt like george jetson Oh, my I God. I feel like this is the future. I want to go get those after we're done with the podcast. I don't think they sell them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? I want going to make a powder that also has vitamin C in it that you can mix in with your coffee. Uh, I'm sure that, you know. Yeah. There you go. That's a, are there any scientists listening? That's a million-dollar idea. Now, I'm not going to sit in a lab for, you know, two years and do it, but someone might know. No, it's these are diamonds. Vitamin C Every coffee. Every week, there's a, there's a million-dollar idea. Yeah. I've had a few screenplay ideas on the show. And they're floating around out there. They're out like, there. Just like Seinfeld picks just, it a You can just pluck it. Yeah. Just pluck yeah. it, polish it. It's that easy. I'm going to say it again. Your mocha-flavored nicotine lozenge lozenge but it's a powder with vitamin c in it that you dissolve in coffee no it's no good then you get out of town coffee huh then you have to drink coffee. i love coffee the though. idea of it, it comes in a pill form it's all there but it dissolves in your mouth so you still yeah. have the flavor in your mouth flavor okay. of mocha and that's great and it's like ah it's fantastic <laughs> but anyway i went back and i ran the marathon and that that was one thing that i give advice to young people getting out of college now i only do the seminar at colleges because I'm, I'm not doing it for the layman. I'm doing it for people who are already working. They already have that dream. You can't give people the dream, but if people already have the dream and desire, then those are the people that you want to help. You're trying to help inspire them and give them some tools that can help They're them achieve inspired. your dreams. They're already inspired. They're already inspired. They went to school. They studied. Mm-hmm. No one told them to get in the theater. Very few people uh, do uh, hear that from their parents. You've got to be an actor. You've got to get into show business. Well, when I was in, when I was in high school and college they would have people come in from like successful it's funny because you've mentioned dancers twice and i'm sure that some of these people were ballet dancers that came in but people who were in show business and they would come in and their basic take of what their message was you have to want it so bad in fact you should really quit and you should only do this if you if you're sure that you don't want to quit but our advice is for you to quit 
And I, and I always <laughs> thought that was like the worst. Like, really, I do get it. And and it and it sort of worked on me in this negative. Like, hey, screw you. I'm not quitting. Yeah, I'm but gonna and go you, do and it. By the way, I, I already have the quit monkey on my shoulder. Right. I'm trying to kill that thing. <laughs> yes. And you're feeding it. <laughs> right. Don't feed the quit monkey. Yeah. You know. So, my advice again is like actors, comedians, do something every day that you control that no one can take away from you, whether it's learning language, playing a guitar, running yoga, working out, uh, history, whatever you're – do something outside of what you're desiring that you own. Mm. So you have control over. I heard that a different way from a casting director one time who said, you know, don't just dream about being an actor and what it's going to be like to be a movie star and and take acting classes all the time. Do something that makes you a person. Yeah. Become more of a person because in acting, you're trying to portray a person. And the more you become a person, the more you understand what it's like to be a person. And if all you think about is acting all the time, it's going to be very hard for you to pretend to be something other than an actor. Chekhov said the great, uh, a great quote. He goes, uh, if you want to work on your art, work on your life. You know, Uh because by working on your life elevates you as an artist and whatever you pursue. Mm-hmm. And uh, I read the book The Artist's Way, uh, which uh-huh. I, I recommend. I rec- uh True and False for Actors, uh, a book by David Mamet. I thought that was a great book. When I was running, I read this book Running and Being by Dr. George Sheehan that was help, uh, really helped me. But the one book I read when I was a young man in New York, too, was The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck, which is still out there. Great advice. It's hard to read because there's a chapter on love that kind of dispels the whole romantic love thing, what love really boils down to. Um, So I – and great documentaries out there now. Uh, Overnight is another great documentary. Overnight, what's that about? It's about a a guy that gets this uh, screenplay, sells a screenplay to Miramax. Harvey Weinstein buys his bar. It was on the cover of USA Today. Uh-huh. And how his ego and hubris just tears it all down. Great, <laughs> great documentary. Oh, uh, Every God. Little Step, The uh, the it's a uh, kind of a dual documentary. It shows these new uh, actors auditioning for a chorus line. This is about seven, eight years ago. And they talk about the history of chorus line, how that play became what it was. And well, because now you've got actors auditioning for a thing that's about actors auditioning for a thing. Yes. And it's fascinating. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman saw it and said, geez, I never want to audition again, you know, which I guess he doesn't have to now. But And what was that one called again? Every Little, Every step. little step. Highly recommended. If you have a young a daughter or son who wants to get into business, have them watch these documentaries. Same thing with the Comedian, the Seinfeld documentary. When people ask me, what's it like? How do you get to be a comedian? Go see this documentary. Comedian is great, but I do feel like it was, you know, I've since met Orny Adams, and obviously he is not the completely the guy that they, I feel, no, I well, feel like that was years ago. Little, but all, all documentaries are a little bit of, look, we're trying to. We're trying to tell a story, so we're picking things to shoot to show you so that you understand something. Well, I, but I worked with Orny uh, the week before. I don't want to get into too No, much. I, and Orny is that guy. Now, he might have uh, learned from that and gone on, but he at that time, that's who Orny was, hmm. you know. Uh, so I thought, uh, you know, people anyway, said, oh, they edited it, you know. I said, no, that's kind of who Orny is. So 
so you give these motivational speeches, which are about mostly going into the arts. I wouldn't say motivate. I go or not advice. motivational. They're 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 advice. advice. It just is great. I'm not, this is about not going into start. the arts. Yeah. Uh, and so what happened was when I did this research, I started booking more work. I started getting more acting jobs. Because you motivated yourself. You accidentally absorbed it, do you think? It's not motivation. It's it's more Right. I keep we, saying motivation. Yes, but you, it's not. Whatever it was that you were trying to be able to say to other people, you accidentally soaked up yourself. Exactly. And motivation is mostly self. It comes from yourself. And why did you why did you look into to trying to build this presentation? Was that kind of it a just, side it, business it was, that you thought you were going to yeah, do? Yeah, it was like, you know what? Um... This is helpful stuff, and this is the kind of stuff I wish I – when I was getting my degree in theater and moving to New York, uh, I wish someone had told me this stuff. I, you know, I, I you know, it would have been great to hear from not a star, but from some guy who's been doing it 30 years, acting mm-hmm. and doing mm-hmm. stand-up. This is a guy – I want his advice. Well, and a person who's worked and a person who's had the ups and downs that we've talked about, you know, that's what I always say – about you know tabloids and there's all these articles about how what's some movie star's secret it's like they're fucking rich and they're on the top of the mountain Every, nothing so, so anything that how they many know of them are miserable though and and how much of their success is due to luck or things just because they think something caused them to be successful the person whose secret you want to know is the guy the homeless guy who's sitting on a curb eating a half a sandwich that he found in the trash that and he's happy that's a guy who knows a secret. Yeah. You know? And so I I always think... But is he really happy? He might be happy because you've just found half a sandwich, but later on he's going to be miserable. You're right. He's, homeless guys are not going to be as happy as you are. But my point was, and not to compare your career to being a homeless guy or my career to being a homeless guy, but our careers aren't what people typically picture when they picture like, oh, my, my 30 years in show business, I hope I wind up like that. No, you know? no, yeah. Here's the thing. Do you have people that kind of feel bad for you because you're not a star? A little you, bit. Well, yeah, and it's it's so insulting. People, you've been in business a long time. How do you feel about your career? What, what are you kidding me? I don't take it too much as an insult, but you know, go ahead. What's no? What's but your, it's like uh, I've been doing this for thirty years. I've got. You want me to mention my resume? Shit. Do you really want me to go down? Uh, but Alan, how come you don't have your own sitcom? Yeah, exactly. How come uh, you you don't draw you know seven thousand people? Yeah, I can't believe that this place isn't sold out. You're so great, <laughs> yes. and it's like they mean it as a compliment, but you kind of take it as no, no, no. I don't think that's true. No, I think they're they're most mean, of, and they they just don't get it. If, if it's, I, I feel like they're either they're naive or they're trying. Why are you, you're such a good lawyer? Why are you still at Jacoby and Myers? Yeah, you would insult somebody. You don't insult people like that. Oh, I feel like Think when they're saying it. when they're saying it, mostly to me, it's people who've come up after shows who've just had a great time, and they're buying my DVD, and they say something like, "You know, how come? When are you going to get a sitcom? Or when are you going to? Well, they're buying a DVD. You know, they yeah. Well, that's they, normal. Those so, are they're, civilians. so they're loving the show. That's what I'm talking Those about. Those are both civilians. No, I'm talking about other comedians and young comedians. Go, how do you feel about your career? And they scrunch up their little faces. They don't know what you've done. I did have a conversation with a young comedian who was. Uh, you know, now he's a friend of mine for many years, but at the time he was bad mouthing some TV star, making fun of some comic who was now doing some endorsement oh, thing. Man. And I said, you know, you got a lot of dreams and you got a lot of talent, and you're in your early twenties, and all of those things might come true for you. But if you have that attitude when you become um, 
Ray Romano, and that's how you're going to talk about somebody who has a career that, you, that you're making fun of, you're going to seem like an asshole. Right. And if you wind up having the career that you're making fun of, that guy, you're going you're gonna to constantly know that you actually won, but you're going to have to deal with assholes like you right. who think that you lost. You know, mm-hmm. it's like or that you sold out or that you sold out. Well, that's the biggest one sold so out. So many but- like Bill Hicks disciples out there who these guys were on a run on Facebook one time making fun of uh, the ventriloquist. Uh, what's the guy? Really nice guy. Jeff Dunham. Yes. And uh, I met Jeff once. We had lunch together in Aspen years ago. Nice guy. Yeah, I did a couple of gigs with Jeff. I know I like Jeff. Yeah, and he designs his own puppets, and he hires. He's a writers. little bit, but he has people. He's he's cranky because he's dealing with these assholes that you're talking. about. He doesn't about. have to deal. With, I wish you know. Fuck no, him, people, Jeff. people. Say, yeah, no. Here's he an open letter to Jeff Dunham. Don't worry, but dude, you are selling out places. Yeah, you go into he a Jeff that. Dunham crowd. Eight years old to eighty, they're laughing their ass off. I know, and they're selling it out. He's selling it out. Yeah, Good Jeff Dunham should high five himself, and then we'll high five him when he's done. Yeah, every day I have a little Jeff Dunham doll in my room, but, and I high five him yeah. every day. So people are making fun of him on Facebook. Yeah, and these you stick guys up for were me. like really, hey, I'm out there with the truth, and I can say this word of my act because I'm real, and you know, just like great, do do that, but don't put down Jeff Dunham. You have no right. But then just because he's not – listen, there are these movies out there that make millions and millions of dollars. I don't watch them. I think they're crappy, but I say good for you. Well, Congrats. I would say like go out there and do it for 30 years and see if you can do better. And if you can, like I said, now you're an asshole that you're making fun of somebody who didn't do as well as you. And if you can't, then it's too late for you to show respect because you should be showing respect for this to this guy now for what he's been able to achieve in, in his – career it's like you're you're only making yourself look ridiculous i think when you need to do that and it's just another obstacle in your head but just another big lump of crap sitting in your head with flies buzzing around but we were talking about you know i get i have that same thing of you know people will say that or or you know now having a kid you know, you meet other parents and they, they you <laughs> know, what what do you man. do? They want to know what do you do and you tell them what you do. And now we've been at this school for enough time that I've done a benefit and they've seen me on Letterman. But yeah. even then they sort of don't – they sort of look at you as if like how can this guy be – It's does he have a good career? Or or I, I have They people, don't want you to because in their heads they say, gee, I, I could have done that. You know, I – uh, you know, I people have to work for a living. You are working for yourself, and your days are free. Or- oh, I have the greatest. The, doing stand-up live stand-up shows is the most fun job. I love going on stage. I love being somebody else's good time. I love talking to the people who come to the show after the show. Yes, it's, it's great. It's so great. And it's funny when people, when you get that attitude sometimes from people, like, um, how, it's too bad that that it's not better for you or <laughs> or people i had a guy ask me like can you after a show he just seen a show and he's buying the dvd and he goes is this your only job can you make a living doing this yeah and it's like yeah i can and i almost feel like sometimes they they're you, so you just saw me didn't if you? you knew if you saw my house and my wife and my cars you would be pissed off at me 
If you got, let's say, and I... Not that I have great cars, but I mean, no, I have a good life. It's yeah, just like, what do you judge? You have a beautiful wanna, life. You, you want to just say life. to people, like, how do you, how would you judge me being a success? Is it my salary every year? Uh-huh. Is it how attractive my wife is? <laughs> is it is it how many times I I get to go on the David Letterman show? That's I mean, it. That's you, it. That You know, if you, could, if you could just whip out a photo album or a computer printout of all the women that you were with before you got married... <laughs> it would blow their mind. Just do that, like to a like straight men with straight. Here, uh-huh. buddy, let me tell you something. My days are mine, and I've tasted more tang than the Mercury Seven. So fuck off, you know. Just one do woman. Do you think the Mercury astronauts got laid a lot? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love but they, that that's your go-to. They, they like guys who you're jealous tang. of. Tang, the oh, orange tang. drink. Yeah, they had, tang. I've right, had more tang. tang than I see. The I thought, seven. I thought you were using is. a slang thing. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I was. It's a double. You know, I've, I sip more Tang than the Mercury 7. I see, but you didn't mean to compare yourself to the Tang that the other Tang that it's the Mercury 7. That the might, but it's I'm saying those work. astronauts probably did make out. But a lot of them were married. But yeah. they, that's, that's, well, that's not the same. joke. But Tang was the orange drink with plenty of vitamin C that they've I already invented. Keep explaining it to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I just – this. Uh, I was at the improv, and there's this woman there, and she started talking. She goes, oh, so you're a comedian? And she goes – so, do you have another job? I said, no, no, this is it. She goes, and she couldn't comprehend it. Now, this wasn't in Wichita. This wasn't in Boise. This, this was, wasn't in 1984. No, this was uh, about 10 years ago at the Improv in Hollywood, California. Uh-huh. In a, you know, this is... And, and she just couldn't wrap her mind around it. I know. It's, it, it takes so much energy to because you can't engage in a conversation about that where you try and explain to them. No. I usually just say, yeah, I'm doing fine. No, don't worry. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy. Or if they say, well, how come you don't have your own sitcom? I say, I, well, you know, it's talents and luck. And maybe someday all those two things will line up. And I said, I love, I have got a great job. You know, I just try and say that and then move past it but yeah it's a weird it's a weird conversation yeah, but it's, it, those people stand out because very few people call you on it uh this guy knew back in college called me having a conversation and he kept and i talked to don Marrer about this they'll, they'll ask you questions until they can feel good about something you know like yeah but yeah but you don't have a pension no, no i have a pension with sag after and i i've saved money so yeah but this but this but the travels, yeah. Sometimes travel, yeah. The travels, see, I couldn't do the travel. Well, see, they need to feel they need to feel like they're not jealous of you. Yes, that's that's the that's mainly what it is all about. Is they they want to feel good about their life. They're what they see. Oh man, they, I bet that's great. You're on stage and the and you get to travel around and you make this money. That's the opposite thing. And what they want you to say again is, yeah, but I got to be away from my wife. And they're like, all right, yeah, yeah, you yeah be away there you me. go. Or I got to get up at five sometimes to do radio. Oh, I can't oh, five do that. o'clock. Yeah, I mean, I get up at seven. I don't know how you get up at five. <laughs> you know, I got to work with uh, assholes all day. Um, so you still do you still make the motivational and that's not motivation. Do you still do these talks? How would you? What, okay, I haven't the, done it in a while. Here's the thing: the beautiful thing about this is that I can't because I've been booking a lot of acting work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've kind of put it on the back I'm burner. I'm a little busy, too, too busy to help you right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> really. And um, I'm looking for a booker or someone who can like, oh, because in, at colleges, you're going to get better crowds on. What I do is I go in the night before, do a show, and then the next day during the week or afternoon when people get off class, I can do the uh, motivational thing. I've done it on weekends. It's not a motivational thing. Yeah, but that's what you're calling it. 
That's what I was calling it. I was waiting to see They're what you were going to call it. I'm what is it called? What do you call it then? Curtain Up. That's the name of it. Do your Curtain Up talk. If you had to generically, what is a Curtain Up talk? It's great advice. It's like, are, are you serious about this? You're obviously uh, studying it in college. It's not like you're in a you know, drama camp when you're 13. You're in college. You've decided on this to pursue this as a career. If you're serious about it, going to L.A., New York, Chicago, or staying in whatever city you're in and pursuing it, Here's great advice for you. It's an advice talk. Yes. And here's what really helps and really doesn't. Mm-hmm. And this is not just me. This is not theory. This has been proven over and over again by people in the business. There are certain threads. There's certain advice that's perfect. We've already been talking about it, but what are the, what are can you run down just off the top of your head like three of the best advice things or three of the worst advice things? I know you mentioned get out of the house, get out get, wherever you are. There are reason. Here's the thing: in college, I knew a lot of people that wanted to go to New York to be an actor. All of a sudden, somebody got pregnant. I, I got married. Mm-hmm. My mom's sick. Those all those excuses. You got to go to New York before somebody gets pregnant yeah. and your mom gets sick. Don't be be careful, man. Oh. Be, subconsciously, because it's so fearful. I was so afraid to go to New York, and finally, I just had to shove myself. Yeah, there's that. You have most of the things uh, that keep you away from what you want is your own fear and your own insecurity. Uh, do something that you own every day. And also, when you get to uh, New York or L.A., look at someone two or three years ahead of you and look what they're doing. Get get a role model. Get Look at what people – be aware of what's around you. Now, there's other stuff I throw in there. I'm not going to get into it now. Um, yeah, no, but that's a great one, the role model, the mentor thing, because I feel like at least where I'm coming from is – I'm more than I'm more than happy to talk to somebody and tell them about how hey here this is this is how I think this works or this is how I think you can accomplish that or this is how I did it or this is how I think it changed or any of those questions that you just have no idea like how how do you get how do you get booked on the road or how do you do this or that if some comic is I'm working with some guy and he wants to ask me questions I'm happy to answer him. There's a short there's a, a writer his name is Tom Jones T H O M. Not the singer, Tom Jones. And he went to someone and he said, I want to get a short story published in The New Yorker. How can I do that? He said, you have to write a story so good they have to publish it. And you have to develop your acting or your comedy or your music so good that someone's going to notice it. You don't have to be the best. You just have to be really – you have to shape it. It's like a craftsman. If you're a cobbler, you've got to make a great pair of shoes, really sturdy, solid pair of shoes before somebody buys it. And that's basically what it is. And keep putting yourself in that situation where you work at your craft and work at getting a job. Mm-hmm. And don't think of you like a big thing. People think, well, you know, uh, in college they say, well, I want to be an actor. Wait, you already are an actor. If you were in your high school play, can you, you're already an actor. You're already, you an actor. Want you're a, already a director. You're already a lighting designer, whatever you are. All, yeah, all you have to do now is get into a city or uh, a place where uh, people need that and then try to get a job like that. And you have to apprentice. You have to, you have to be a, a headliner. I mean, a, a feature act or a, an MC. You have to, you have to go up to open mic nights. You have to be an intern, anything to learn the business. Those are people who are afraid of getting started. Yes. What about people who are going through the doldrum 
doldrum time. What, what what time is that? That's the that's the downtime. You've had your up. You've had your down. Like well, you, that, you, 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 guy, a guy like you. What what yeah. what you you kind of looked for a way to branch yourself out and how to how to do this advice talk like right. you researched all these things because you had it in your head oh well, maybe i could do a presentation about this I yeah I, this, about I, I looked at my first two years in new york and go wow i see what i did i moved i got a job near where i wanted to work hmm. i was in i wanted to get in theater so i i was living in hell's kitchen i was working at a bar as a bartender you get a lot of great advice you're around uh you're a waiter you're around people you hear about auditions. You see someone's doing the mailing back before the internet. You see someone with a great web page. You you hear about you hear about jobs. You hear about workshops. You hear about a great acting class with a really good teacher that's not like ridiculously expensive. Michael Patrick King, the showrunner for Sex and the City and Two Broke Girls, has great yeah. advice. He goes, "You go where the green lights are." Right, go where they love you. Go where they love you, or or go where there's an opportunity. There's a little green. Oh, there's something over there. Go over there, and it and sounds it, really simple. I I, I think not. that's yeah. Well, it's not simple, but it, there's so many people also who get stuck pushing on a door that's locked or that pulls open. You know, yeah. there's so many people that are spending <laughs> all of this energy trying to accomplish something that is so not happening for them. When it's just like if you moved over three feet, there's another door that you could just walk right through. Another, you know? thing, another thing that helps is don't wear your career and your desires on your sleeve. You know, like people that wear their heart on their sleeve. Mm-hmm. Like I run into you, I haven't seen you. Hey, Jake, how you doing? Well, I went on this audition and I didn't get this and this person getting that. And it's all about you keep it's all in the front of your head. It's like in a conversation when you meet someone and they open with all the bullshit in their lives that they're unhappy about. Yeah, work up to that. Or maybe don't even do it. Don't even do it. I feel like that stuff is – nobody wants to hear it. And it's not even good for you. It's like – it goes back to the anger thing. That kind of wallowing in your depression or your things that you perceive as your failures, it's just not good for you. When when you're in that moment of, okay, it's over, that's that's when you got to say – Holy shit, I need some help. I got to turn my head around. Uh, some uh, I ran into a comedian around our age, doing well. Got a nice pop in the last ten years. Saw a billboard with Aziz and Zari on it. And said, "Oh fuck!" It totally got him in. I go, "What are you talking about?" He bummed out because of it. Yes, sorry, because he had a billboard. Like that's it. Well, he has a billboard, and it's like literally towering over me. I go, "Really?" You know, there's always going to be. Get, by the way, oh, oh wow. If you're pissed off when you see people that you know or people that you think are less telling you on television, get ready to be pissed off for the rest of your life. It's you got to yeah, you got to stop feeling that way. You can't let yourself you can't let yourself get caught in that ridiculous trap. So you got to quit that. You got to quit beating up on yourself, and you got to quit giving up. Yes, that, that's another thing. People, uh, how come you're still in the business? I never gave up. I well, that's quit. what I always say to people, too. That's the great thing about show business is you cannot be fired. No, you can't. You cannot be fired. There is always some show. There is always some gig that you can get, no matter how freaking <laughs> terrible you are. Yeah. You can still, there is a gig that you can get in show business. I you know. have to quit show business. People can fire you from specific jobs in show business. Like you can have a job on a TV show or a movie, and you can get fired from that. Or right. you can have a be in a comedy club and do something. Do something, and they can tell you where you can leave. We're not. They gonna do can the rest pick of the week. you up and throw you out the door, but you can't be fired. 
uh, Coppola when he was making Apocalypse Now, and there's a great documentary, Hearts of Darkness, and they're talking. He's talking to him. He goes, "I can't. How can I quit myself? I can't. I can't. Qu- I can't fire myself. I can't." Well, that can't was quit when a lesser man would have walked away. But that's basically the message that those people who came to talk to me when I was in my teens from, you yeah. know, the American Ballet Theater or some musical theater group. That's what they were saying: is you have to have that to make it to 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 stay in show business. You have to you have to have that. I can't quit myself. I can't. I right. refuse to quit. As long as you refuse to quit, you're still in the game. For those of you listening, another great uh, little piece of advice, and, and it goes against the grain of what's going on today. There's a TED Talk, and it says, uh, don't mention your goals. Google that. Don't mention your goals. You'll find it. And it's a short talk. It's maybe like six minutes of this. Uh, they've done research in the 20s, 40s, 50s. That when people like say, I say to you right now, you know what, I'm, I'm going to run the L.A. Marathon. There's a part of your brain that when you mention the goal verbally, that feels you've already. It satisfies, it satisfies the thing that wants to do it to exactly. say your goal. And I've always been, I mean, that's a mid, I'm a Midwestern guy. You're a New York guy. Right. So it's, well, I'm Miami. I was raised in Miami. Right, Miami. East, but even in Miami, my brother said, you're a New Yorker. When you were born, it just you you, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you had to get there. Yeah, you to me to me you're that classic New York, just not taking any shit, smoking a cigarette and getting <laughs> things done, kind of a guy. That's just how I picture you. But uh, I came from the Midwest, and in the Midwest, there's this kind of hum- humility from a position of strength. It's just like I don't tell you what I'm going to do; I do it. Right. I don't talk about what I'm going to do; I do it. You know, and if I fail at it, I don't have to answer to anyone, and I'll find a way to do it. I keep working at it. So if I if I tell everybody I'm going to do this and I don't do it, then I feel more like a failure. But if I don't tell anyone I do it, I go. Well, I well that's the kind. Of, those are the people who those are the people who do need to tell their goals to people so they kick themselves in the ass and do it. But so it works for some. I mean, people, I, I can I see how overall, it works both ways. But I'm much I'm much more of a subscriber to the like. You tell yourself what you're going to do. And then you tell people who are going to be involved in you doing it what you're going to do. But you don't need to be bragging it up. You know, those people no. who you go out and they go, I'm making a movie of my novel that I'm writing. And then you and we're going to shoot it in uh, South America. And you go, really? Uh, wh- how's it going? Well, I, I, I the character's name is Bob and that's all I got. Yeah. It's like, yeah. really, you're going to make a movie of that and you're going to shoot it in South America? Another thing I do in these seminars, I go, I'm not going to read your I'm not here to read your screenplay. I'm not here to tell you what agent to go to. I'm just giving you advice. I tell friends, hey, would you read my screenplay? No. A couple friends who are professional writers and ask me to read something, I'll read. Or a very good friend, I would really appreciate it. I do. But I don't read people's screenplays. I don't have three hours. If I was you and you asked me to read your screenplay, then I would. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, you know. I'm going back to the girlfriend story and you missed it. <laughs> what? I'm not you. <laughs> That's the answer to that one, Alan. Sorry. I'm all wrapped up in myself now. That was a story about you. <laughs> yes. No, but it, here's it. To read a screenplay takes three hours. Two hours to read it and then an hour to argue with the person. Well, because most people who say they want advice really want praise. And and the thing is, like, look, I'm happy to read it and I'm happy to tell you what I think of it. I'm a person who – it's just one opinion. This is your thing. You can do whatever you want with it. So if you want to know my opinion, I'll tell you my opinion. But if you want to argue about whether my opinion is right or wrong, then 
I, I'm not interested in doing that. Yeah. But you see, know. right there, you just saying that wore me out. You know, it's just like I can't go through all. It just reminds me of people. Oh, the, what do you think of my act? And all they want to talk about is their act or their screenplay or what? Do you think this is funny? And just stop. I, I that whole when people say, "What do you think of this?" I go, "I, you know, I, I can't." You, you're the best judge of what you think of it. Yeah. What do you think of it? What I think of it? Who gives a fuck what I think of it? Exactly. You know, don't let the audience. And I think Belzer had that, and Dennis Miller talked about this in the early days. Once the audience, and this is something I discovered on my, about myself too, <coughs> the audience they don't want you, they don't want to feel that you you're counting on them. You know, they don't they they've been working all day. They've kind of relaxed. If you're up there, and they can feel that they're responsible for your comedy. No, they want to feel like you know what you're doing. Yes, I've so, got this. So that's what that's what I say. If yeah. it's a small crowd or it seems really chaos, I go, don't worry, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is going to be okay. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fine. And if it's not, hey, it happens. No, yeah. it is going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to put, put, don't put that doubt in there. No, no, not in there. But, you know, yeah. listen, if, if I go on stage, it doesn't work. Oh, shit. I, I hate it. But I don't I, I don't beat up the audience. Uh, I But I, I feel bad. I get the hell out of it. I see guys go up and kind of half-ass bomb and they come off hey man that one no it didn't go well <laughs> no you should be throwing up outside or do what i do head to my car go right home don't drink just go home and just go fuck and then uh get up on that horse get back up on that horse oh, oh i think this has been a good talk alan i, I do too it's certainly helped me. I enjoyed it. I feel yeah. like this was I, well. This was is really an extension of our coffee chats we've had for the last couple of years. The life coaching coffee chats. Not even life coaching. Just what's going on, Jake? Yeah, we just have, yeah. So that's what then that's what this podcast is. Me talking to people about well, it's been a lot of their fun. things, and I have plenty of good stories too that I haven't done. So. Well, will you come back on? Yes, the podcast? that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I would love to have you. We live close together. And that's but that's not it. The internet is free. What do you mean that's not it? It's it's not about – I would have driven out. There's certain podcasts I'll do because I respect the people to do them. Um, Oh, well, that's nice of you to say that. I'm not a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) I practice, you know. But this has been fun. I know. I don't even know how to say it. I don't don't mean – it's thank you. That's how to say it. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Little handshake. Nice. Normally it's a high five, but I feel like we're handshake guys. Not a high guys. five. That's so 80s, dude. We're handshake guys. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Thank you, Jake. Well, thanks again to Alan Havey for being on the show. Alan, I assume that you're still listening to this and you didn't just turn it off. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for being on the show. And I want to have Alan come back. And thanks for all those tips on the um, meditation and whatnot i've been trying it since i since our conversation and i still i need to get that uh, cd from him here's something that i learned while i was looking for the piece of paper which i did find that's how uh, rush limbaugh does it he shakes the piece of paper at the microphone and so but that's how i did it not not that i'm too i am i'm not into the oxycontin thing but i do like the paper shaking in the microphone and i don't agree with most of the things that he says but uh, but that paper shaking thing solid super solid anyway i found the piece of paper uh, with the Alan Havy's uh, information on it. All it says is alanhavy.com, and then the word gigs is underlined. So you want to go to alanhavy.com. Here's something that you might not know about alanhavy.com. 
Alan Havy. This Alan Havy that you just listened to spells his name A-L-L-A-N. There was another Alan Havy with one L who, <laughs> this is the sad thing about that Alan Havy. The first thing on his website is, if you're looking for the Alan Havy that you're looking for, he doesn't mention me by name, but here's the link to the to this Alan Havy's website. So even if you go to the wrong website, you can get to the right website. So anyway, I'm on Alan Havy. Dot com a l l a n h a v e y and so you can do a lot of things on this site and the internet here in the West Edmonton Wall works pretty effing good. So he's how oh, he hasn't updated his schedule really. Here, let me tell you this about Alan Havy. Havy. <laughs> now I'm oh, that was an accidental mispronunciation. February twelfth through sixteenth, he's going to be at uh, Harvey's in Satellite. State Line, Nevada. State Line, Nevada. That's State Line, Nevada. That's Lake Tahoe. He's going to be at Harvey's in Lake Tahoe February 12th through 16th. That's Valentine's Day is when you could go see Alan in Lake Tahoe. That sounds romantic, but I'm going to be in Columbus, Ohio. February 21 to, and 22, he's going to be at the Improv Comedy Club in uh, the Resort and Casino in Indio Springs in Indio, California. And then February 25th to March 1st, you can see him at the Improv at Harris in Las Vegas, Nevada. So Alan gets around to some casinos. And you, if you, if you are the kind of person who's going to be in any of those casinos, either at uh, Lake Tahoe or Indio or Las Vegas, please go see Alan. Tell him I said hello. <laughs> Ask him when he's going to be on the podcast again. Do you? Would you? Could you? Um, I, I just had a great time talking to him, so I'm looking forward to the next time I get to talk to him. And I'm looking forward to the next time I get to talk to you, ladies and ladies and gentlemen. And I hope that's going to be next week when the next episode comes out. Maybe sometimes episodes come out sooner than next week, but uh, this time. Anyway, Nigel. Nigel will be the next episode. Whenever that comes out, it'll be Nigel and I having a conversation. We had a small technical difficulty, as happens from time to time. But we made the best of it. Thank you for listening. Please, until we meet again, do not give up. There will be plenty of time to give up in the future. All right. Congratulations. You've made it this far. Now keep trying. And don't forget to crank it up. 